0: So, as I mentioned earlier, we are in the second week of Lent. Last week, uh, I had a lot of fun. We were posting a daily reading and response where we would read a chunk of Mark together and then a different River Rite would kind of post their reaction and then we all jumped in with our responses and it was so much fun to hear what different people in the community were thinking and how they were processing And today we're going to continue that, hearing from a fellow Riverite, with Don Giro. He's going to share a little bit about how his 40 days of faith is going so far, and he'll read the passage for the morning. So, join me in welcoming Don Giro. Good morning. Uh, My name is Don, I go by Don usually, Uh, you're welcome to call me that. Um, I I live in uh, Westchester, um, north of here with my uh, wife Esther and family. Um, We moved there about a year ago and I work in the advertising and design industries. Um, My wife Esther and I first started attending the river about nine years ago, um, soon after we got married. Uh, we were living in the Lower East Side, and we were able to walk or take the bus here, which is great. Um, since then, uh, we've had two children, um, and we spent a few years in the Bay Area and ended up coming back. Um, so we're really excited to be back here, especially um, in this community. Um, so I just wanted to share what uh, the 40 Days of Faith um, experience has been like for me, Um, I have participated a handful of times um, in the last few years, um, both here at the river and while we are in um, Berkeley, California with the Haven um, Church there that we are part of. Um, So I'll say that um, my past efforts in the 40 days of faith have definitely been fruitful at times, but um, almost never in the way that I had asked for or even really hope for, or even really want it. <laughs> um, and, and, and almost never with the timing that you kind of have in mind. So um, so uh, as an example, um, I'll take you back to uh, a year from, from today. So last year at this time, um, I had recently lost uh, my job, and through that I'd lost the mortgage on the house that we were trying to buy. So things were kind of up in the air, and um, and the loss of the mortgage kind of cha- uh, created a chain of events that ended up with my parents uh, moving into our basement, much to my dismay. This is not, this is really not how I imagined my life going at this point. Um, and, and, you know, I just want, it's not the end of the world and plenty of people do it. And, and most people told me that it was a wonderful thing. But just to be honest with you, it was, it was, it was really hard. It's been really hard. <laughs> Um, so for days of faith, that was really what I put out to God. It's like, God, I need a new job, obviously. Um, and if I get this job, then I can get a mortgage. And then I can, you know, we can get a place for my parents, and they can move out, and we can start our lives um, the way I had imagined it um, in this new house. So I asked God for, for the new job. Um, so update, a year later, um, I still don't have a job. Um, but i do I have been blessed um, with enough freelance and contract work um, to keep the lights on and, and keep um, our family afloat which is really uh, an, still an amazing thing to me and a blessing and i don 't take that for granted um, and just last week, my parents moved out um, through some contacts actually here at the river I was able to get a mortgage as a self employed person which was a challenge but it it happened last year, and um, they moved. We got them an apartment uh, about a month or two ago, and they just moved out last week. So it took exactly a year. <laughs> um, so that's in its own sort of story. It was a, is a big um, step forward for us. Um, and so this year again, I'm I'm um, in in the category of things that I don't have, you know. Control over. I've I've also. I'm still asking God for a job. That's still out there. But um, I've sort of left it open to whatever that looks like. Maybe it is a job. It's. I'll just call it work and and sort of you know career. And I'm really looking forward to being uh, surprised. I think uh, the element of surprise is really great. Um, It's really helped me focus on on just sort of uh, moving my life forward with God as opposed to specific outcomes that I can sort of sketch out and, and give to God. So, so I'm asking to be surprised in the uh, in the work department. And I also wanted to, um, as it is Lent, I wanted to work on something that I, I do have control over. And so this year, uh, I've chosen to focus on my behavior, the way that I um, speak to my children, uh, my wife, and my parents specifically. Um, these are the people that I see and relate with all the time, more than anybody else. And um, and I kind of felt like in the last year, you know, I, I gave myself sort of excuses to, um, it was okay that, like, you know, I had a, Daddy had a bad day. And I would just sort of feel, my, feel myself taking it out um, on Esther or my kids. And um, I just sort of, over the last year, it was just sort of this trend. I, I just noticed that I was letting myself do that. So that's um, the thing that I've sort of chosen to work on during this 40 days, and try to change that pattern of behavior. Um, and just an example to, if you're a parent, you probably had this experience where you watch your child repeat something really nasty uh, to somebody else, maybe you know their little brother, that you know that they heard from you earlier that week. <laughs> and that 's really heartbreaking, so that's really um the kind of thing that i 'm working on um at this point um, so um so i've been doing the readings um, sometimes it has been a you know a spiritual experience um, where I, I feel connected um, sometimes i'm just trying to get through it and sort of do my homework and move on to the next thing and um, but i you know it's uh it's an effort um, and in terms of, like, the, uh, my sort of resolutions for this period, um, I would say, starting last Sunday, my life has just been full of opportunity for me to exercise my patience when it comes to my family. Uh, we went to Ikea yesterday. <laughs> so if you've been to Ikea with your family, you know what that's like. Um, but I don't think I yelled the whole time. So we'll call that a success. (laughs) Um, So I'm really looking forward to uh, being surprised uh, by God um, the next few weeks and and really for the the rest of this year. So thanks. Um, So I've been asked to read the passage for today. So I can do that. Uh, This is Mark chapter 4. Verses 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30 and 60 and 100 fold.
1: Thank you so much, Don. That was wonderful sharing. Also, amazingly good reading, right? <laughs> good morning. I'm Caroline. Good to see you all. So, as uh, both Sarah and Don mentioned, we are in our in the Lenten si- season this year. Um, this year's Lenten season, the six-week period leading up to Easter. Call it 40 days of faith at the river and use it as a time to draw closer to jesus prepare ourselves to celebrate uh, his resurrection on easter and as sarah mentioned we've been having uh, we've been reading the book of mark together a little chunks at a time and having online conversations about it which has been really fun i find myself looking forward to reading your comments all many of you have been participating Um, and a lot of lot of times, somebody will start the conversation by sharing their first reactions to the passage or their uh, how the passage strikes them. So today, I will start by sharing my first reactions to the uh, passage Don just read. Um, my first reaction is that it's not my favorite parable. <laughs> There's. Um, I've heard many wonderful teachings on it and been impacted by them, including my own husband's. Um, It's, I think, one of his favorite passages to speak from. But something about the parable, every time I encounter it, makes me feel anxious. Um, It makes me feel like I am being evaluated, and unbeknownst to me, I may be a good soil or a bad soil. And that's it. There's nothing I can do to become a better soil. It doesn't say anything about that. So if the things don't work out, and I happen to be not fruitful, well, it just shows that I was not a very good soil, and it's my failure. Nothing to do with the seed. And it's not just a failure to perform, but it's a failure of my heart and character, because like soil, like you're not a good soil. It, it speaks to your character, it feels like. Can anyone relate to me? <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad not alone in this. But I don't believe anxiety is from God. Peace is and joy is... So if God is really the God of life that I believe she is, then where is this anxiety coming from? As I mentioned last week, we as readers of the Bible bring our own experience and culture and wiring into understanding it. We all bring our own blind spots that affect the way we understand the stories. So perhaps am I bringing my own and my culture's anxiety into how I receive the story? I think there's a distinct possibility. We look at things through our own bias and baggages all the time. So let's take a deeper look. Today's passage, excuse me, showcase is the literary technique the author sometimes uses in the book of Mark, which is it's a story within a story. So it's kind of fun to watch out for when you read the book of Mark. Jesus is telling the crowd a story about the sower who goes out to scatter seed, which later he says, then seeds means the word. So as he's scattering his word to the random people who's gathered around him, he's telling a story about Sower who ca- scatters the seed to, at, to random places, right? It's a story within a bigger meta story going on. Mark uses this technique, uh, Mark, the author, throughout the book guiding the readers how to interpret the, interpret the stories. So, Jesus is telling the story about himself and his work of spreading the word. So, Jesus is the sore in the story. Interestingly, the sore disappears from the story after the first uh, couple of sentences. But when we pay attention, the sore is unusual, different from normal sores. I wonder if this difference would have been obvious right away to Jesus's audience because they lived in a farming culture and they knew how it was done. Unlike normal, regular farmers, the sower indiscriminately scatters the seeds on paths, on rocky places, among thorns, and good soil. He doesn't really seem to care where the seed lands. He doesn't care if the seeds are being used efficiently, if the soil deserves to be planted on, or if it's worth his time and energy to be scattering them about. He's definitely not worried about running out of seeds You also get the sense that this is just what he does. He goes out and sows all the time, wherever he goes. It's not a one-time thing. So if the soil that did not produce anything yesterday, if he happens to be there, he will be sowing the seed again on the same soil. It will be getting another chance, so to speak. So so Sussur is not thinking about Um, track record or history. The seed seed is scattered everywhere. It is telling that this picture of the sower goes directly against my first impression about the parable. The sense that I was uh, being evaluated as a soil, Because it's the opposite. The sower does none of the evaluation. Only sowing to whoever is around. The sore is indulgent, inefficient, and even foolish. And that is the picture of Jesus, the picture of God we're given. It is surprising, startling really, how radically different it is from our culture's understanding of a good leader or a good businessman. Our culture values strength, efficiency, productivity, discipline, performance in leaders. We value profit and success. I don't get the feeling that this particular sower will go far to be a successful farmer. He will definitely not be a Fortune 500 CEO. But this very short story tells us that this is what Jesus is like. This is how Jesus is toward us. He's indulgent with his love. He is inclusive without judgment. He's so very patient and forgiving, always ready to reach out again and again, always ready to embrace us. So then, what is this business about the secret of the kingdom of God that is given to the inner circle and not those outside? Because that really bothers me. It says in the parable to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything comes in parable. It sounds secretive and exclusive, doesn't it? But here, too, the people who have the secret of the kingdom of God are the people who are there, are those who were around him along with the 12. People who bothered to stay around and ask questions. People who wanted to engage Jesus more. People who took Jesus' word seriously enough to ask questions. People outside are the people who chose to stand apart To not engage Jesus in his words. We're given a vivid picture of those who are outside. In the story that comes immediately before this parable. Which possibly could be another story wrapping up um, a story. A littler story. It's a story where Jesus' mother and brothers come visit. And... Some of you may have read it as we were reading along because it was the Friday's uh, portion of the story. They stay outside and ask Jesus to come out and speak to them instead of joining him where he was speaking. And it's the same Greek word outside is used to describe that scene as in the parable. They had come to restrain Jesus because people were saying Jesus has gone out of his mind. So th- that's the picture of outside. And again, Jesus is not doing the evaluating and selecting, but only responding to those who engage, engage him. Perhaps people in that culture understood this better Because they lived closer to the nature and knew about seas and plants and soil and such. It has been said that the nature is the first scripture, the first revelation of God for us. So those who've read the nature perhaps would have understood better that everything is connected. That there is this give and take between the soil and the seed for it to grow. Good soil is the soil that keeps feeding the seed with water and nutrients and making room for it. The soil stays in relationship with the seed and the plant, then the seed does everything else. Right? As long as the soil feeds it, the seed knows how to take root Sprout, grow, and bear fruit and multiply. When we hear the, that the, the seed is the word, Jesus says, or goes out to sow the, sow the word. In our mind, we think of some absolute truth about Jesus, the right statement that we need to fully believe without doubt or question. The word. But the parable doesn't tell us what that thing that we should believe in, what the word is. Within the context, the word is just a story. Jesus is telling about himself, telling the story. But what if the word is just a word, words from Jesus? Jesus saying something to us as an invitation to a conversation, invitation to a relationship and a friendship. And we grow the invitation by feeding it with our responses. We take the word seriously enough to say back to Jesus, what did you say? What if being a good soil and having faith is the willingness to engage Jesus through agreement and disagreement, doubt and skepticism, understanding, anger and disappointment, as well as joy. Rather than believing what is taught or what we think we've heard no matter what and with no doubt perhaps needing to stand firm in our conviction, sometimes keeps us from actually engaging with Jesus. We're so immersed in the culture where ability is valued. Independence and self-sufficiency, strength and knowledge and intelligence is valued above all that when we read a story like this, it feels like we are being tested for our strength, that we're being ranked in our winning personalities, winning qualities. I mean, when I read it, I instinctively thought that these are four kinds of people who are ranked for their worth. One is the worst and the second. Doesn't make any sense because the three soil, they equally don't produce any fruit. But maybe when perhaps what Jesus is trying to say to us is that above all else, it is the relationship that matters. It is the connectedness that matters. If we think back, the story we've just just read through the lens of connectedness. Do you see how everything is connected in the story? the story is connected to another story within the people are connected with Jesus and others and the nature around them just as the seas are connected to their soils the soils to their environment Jesus's kingdom is a relational universe where all are connected together through Jesus it is where vulnerability relationship and connectedness are foundations of life and how the life flows all around. And Jesus, the Sore himself, embodies vulnerability and relationship and connectedness who endlessly reach out to different people with his invitations, even when he's ignored or rejected who invite us over and over again without keeping records, who care more about love and friendship and life than efficiency or performance or even righteousness, who don't care about being respected, but in his kindness connects to everyone. That is the picture of Jesus and this is what his kingdom is like. This kingdom that Jesus offers us is so different from the earthly one that we live in that we often have hard time seeing Jesus really clearly and understanding his love and grace for us. And so that's why we need to keep talking to Jesus and keep responding to him, keep feeding the seed because over time the kingdom in us will finally grow and bear fruit in us and in our life and around us. I am by no means free from the performance-oriented mentality of our culture. As I said Reading the parable of the sore made me anxious because I am insecure about being evaluated and weighed and found lacking. I fear that. But over the years, as I have spent time talking and hanging out with Jesus, I feel that I've grown a little bit and have tasted some of the fruit growing in me. I'm much more at peace with where I am at and who I am and my limitations as well as my strength. Before, I constantly felt like I had to do better. I needed to improve. I needed not to make mistakes. Now I'm a better friend to myself. And I'm okay with what I can and cannot do or be. I'm okay with not being able to do more than I can. Because I feel Jesus being at peace with me and where I am at when I hang out with him. So little by little, I'm learning to see me as Jesus would see me, see others as Jesus would see them. So today, my first suggestion is try seeing through the sore's eye. Our vision is severely limited and warped by our lived experience, our culture, the water that we live in. Like my first impression of the parable is, is exactly, it was exactly the opposite of what Jesus was talked about because I was looking at it through my own warped vision. This is why Jesus quotes in the, in the story, they may indeed look but not perceive and may indeed listen but not understand. Another verse that really bothers me. <laughs> but it's true, right? We ha- our visions, we cannot see Jesus' truth on our own often. The process of growing our relationship with Jesus is also the process of learning to see things through his eyes, understand with his mind. And that's partly why there are so many powerful stories of Jesus healing the blind in the Bible. Our eyes need to open to see, to really see. So Try seeing with the sore's eyes, yourself and your life. The sore who is indulgent in his love for us. Always reaching out. Who sees the connectedness in everything. Who has created this universe, a relational universe for us to live in. How would you see things differently if you try that? How would you approach your life differently? During this 40 days of faith, we're asking Jesus to surprise us, give us a breakthrough in some areas that we wish things were different, but we don't have control over, like Don shared briefly. We're asking Jesus to surprise us in this area and asking to surprise us is being willing to see things differently as well as receive Jesus' gift, willing to see things with Jesus' eyes. So in the area of your life that you're praying for during this season, if you were to see it with the sore's eye, what would you see? Would you perhaps see things that you didn't before? Just this morning, I was walking over here and complaining about, um, to Charles, my husband, about some family dynamic that I've observed. I was frustrated with it. Sibling dynamic, perhaps more accurately. So I was walking over here, I was frustrated, um, and then in the back, I I thought, I will try the suggestion, my own suggestion. (laughs) So I try to visualize my own family and all the different relationships that are within my family and try to see that with how Jesus would see them. And it just gives you just completely different picture and therefore different heart attitude toward the each member. So how about we take a few minutes right now. Uh, You can try seeing the area that you've been praying for during this 40, 40 days of faith with Jesus's eye, sore's eye. If you haven't come up with one yet, you can think about that now. Or you could just think about some other areas that you've been feeling maybe frustrated with. So I'll give us Two minutes. My second suggestion and the last uh, for the day is to keep engaging with Jesus and the community through daily reading and response that we've been doing. So daily reading and response is the uh, daily reading of the Book of Mark that we've been doing together and um, having the online conversations together about it. Usually uh, um, there's a brief response um, in the post from uh, various members of this community um, sharing their own thoughts about the passage, like one paragraph, to start the conversation and people comment on the you know, comment sections to have a conversation about it. Um, so I encourage you to try that if you haven't and keep doing that. If you have engaging with the stories from the Bible, I think is one way also to feed and nurture the seed and keep engaging with Jesus and doing it with the community and talking with others about it. As we do is an extra fun way to do it. more than that, hearing the perspectives from people who are different from us, people who've walked different paths, who come from different backgrounds, people, um, different cultures. It, it gives us, um, um, it helps us in becoming aware of our blind spots and expanding our visions because we all have different blind spots And and in this way, we can benefit from what others see, not just what I see. So it's a great way to come together and feeding the seed, um, responding to invitation to Jesus. So if you haven't tried it, I really encourage you to join the conversation. It's not too late, Um, only week two. Um, Tomorrow there's there's gonna be a new passage. Uh, download the River app and you can click on Lent 40 days and it will take you to the website where the post is posted every day. Or you can go directly to the website, rivernyc.org and tap, uh, go to the tab Lent 40 days. Okay, let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for this um, amazing picture of the sore um, who just seems so different from um, what I sometimes imagine you to be like. So just pray for uh, a time of interacting with that sore right now who is indulgent in your love for us, who is forgiving and patient And who just delights in our presence. So I just pray for that understanding to our heart that who you are and how you see us, how you see this world, how you see our lives, challenges and problems of our lives, as well as um, good areas. And, and, and also how you see others all around us, every single one. So I just pray for, um, yeah, I just pray that your vision would transform ours. Your vision would expand ours. In Jesus' name, amen.